Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, church family, good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you are here. What an incredible time of worship. I know as Justin was just reading that passage of scripture, the fact that we all can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we will fear no evil simply because we know who is with us each and every step of the way, and that is Jesus. And that's the name that we were able to sing and come together and worship this morning. Well, my name is Caleb Meeks. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And today we're starting a brand new series. And I just want to spend eight to 10 minutes with you just kind of setting up this entire series and then just kind of previewing the direction we're going to go today before Patrick Gallimore, our student pastor, comes and delivers today's message. But today we're starting a brand new series called Recalculate. And I can almost guarantee you that next week when Pastor Bobby's up here, he will say this, and I quote, this is his new favorite series, So we will see next week if he says that, I can almost guarantee you will, but a new series called Recalculate. And as I was kind of getting ready to kind of give us an overview of the series, I looked up the definition of recalculate and it was all inspiring. So here's what recalculate means. Are you ready for this? To calculate again. That's it. You look it up, it literally says to calculate again. That's what recalculate means. So I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world are we going to talk about for the next four weeks? So I looked at the definition of calculate, and I think there's something here for us to build upon for this entire series over the next four weeks. And here's what calculate means. To design or adapt for a purpose. To design something or adapt something for a purpose. But we're talking about recalculating, so that means we've already done that. We've already calculated. Let me tell you kind of how this came about. A few years ago, we actually had a couple of younger people on our staff approach Pastor Bobby and some of the leadership team and just say, hey, we have these 10 thumbprint statements as a church that we keep talking about, but they're a little bit confusing. We had these 10 statements, and what they do is they supported the vision of our church, which is to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus. But it's kind of hard to remember all these 10 different things. Can we simplify it just a little bit? So what they did is they started calculating, designing and adapting things for a purpose. And they came up with these four core values that we as a church have adapted and adopted. You may have seen these all over the building. If you've been at Journeys the last couple of years, you may have seen them in the atrium or you heard about them in on-ramp. Or in fact, those of you sitting in the auditorium, about 90% of you probably actually just walked past four of them that are written on the wall in the foyer. But these four we statements are this. We surrender, we love, we encourage, and we practice. About two years ago, we kind of came up with these four things that we said, these four things, if we can do these four things, it'll help us fulfill the vision of our church. So we did our calculating, but now we've realized, you know, it's time to kind of recalculate and bring those things back to the forefront. But those four things mean this. We surrender to God's word and its life-changing power. We love our neighbors and we welcome them home. We encourage one another to take next steps and we practice extravagant generosity for the sake of the kingdom. Those are our four core values of our church. And those four things support the very mission and vision of our church. The vision of our church to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus is a vision given to Pastor Bobby himself 19 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And that vision has not and will not change. But those four statements allow to support and fulfill that vision. But we're calling it recalculate because what we want to do is make sure we don't lose sight of those four things and bring them back into the forefront of our minds. And let me kind of give you a visual example of this. One of my favorite hobbies in life 
is actually to collect baseball cards. Some of you may have done that when you were kids or younger, and you may have given up on it in the 90s, but it's actually kind of come back. But I love collecting baseball cards. I've met some amazing people. Some of my best friends are in this hobby with me. But as much as I love baseball cards, my wife hates them. My son, my four-year-old son, Jack, collects with me, and he loves to kind of spread everything out in a room and make a mess. Well, I shouldn't say hate. I should say my wife tolerates, right? That's a good marriage term to say. She tolerates that hobby, okay? But I was in the card shop this past Friday. I try to go about once a week. Um, we've, we've been part of one, just kind of partnering with him and helping him get off the ground. And I was in there, and I noticed in this front display case that there was a couple things I'd never seen before. I was like, man, did you get some new stuff in? He said, no, like those have been in that back case for like a year and a half. He said, I just moved them up here to get some new traction because it looks different. And it was in that moment, it hit me. I was like, that's what recalculate means. These things are not new. We've, they've been around for a couple of years. Well, what we want to do is we want to bring them to the forefront of our church and say, hey, these are things we don't want to forget about. We don't want to lose sight of them off in the back. We want to bring them to the forefront of our minds. Say, hey, let's spend some time focusing and recalculating on these four things. So over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is take a look at one of these each and every week. And today we're looking at we surrender. We surrender to God's word and its life-changing power. But what does it mean to surrender? Here's what the definition of surrender is. To yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. Surrendering means to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. When we say that we surrender to God's word, we surrender to scripture, what we are saying is that we allow his life-changing power to lead the way. When you're driving down the road and you see a yield sign, A, I hope you see it, and B, I hope you do what you're supposed to do at the yield sign. Yield sign doesn't mean you just keep on going and they're going to yield to you. What it means is we have to stop and let things get in front of us so that we can follow it. If you hit a yield sign in your car, you're at an intersection, and all of a sudden it's a yield sign, and you just keep going, you're probably going to get in a wreck. In our lives, there's intersections each and every day, and there's a yield sign. And at that yield sign, what we have to do is we allow, have, we allow to have something get in front of us, we yield to it, and we get behind it and let it lead the way. If we yield to Scripture, what we're allowing to do is we're allowing the Bible, God's life-changing Word, to lead us and guide us each and every step of the way. So what happens whenever we do that, whenever we surrender to God's word? Well, this, this core value is rooted in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And Patrick's going to dig into this in just a moment, but here's what it says in scripture. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It doesn't say just the Old Testament, just the New Testament, just the red letters, just the parts we like. It says all scripture, every word in this book is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, the body of Christ, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what happens when we surrender to God's word is we allow this word to teach us, to correct us even when it hurts, to train us and ultimately revive us. This year of 2022, we as a church, our one word for the year, the banner word for the year is revive. And it's, it's founded in the book of Psalm chapter 119, verse 25. And here's what it says. It says, I lie in the dust, revive me by your word. Meaning this book can give us life. Things that are once dead, this can revive it and give it life again. So when we talk about surrendering to God's word, we're allowing his word to revive us, to give us new life. And maybe today you're sitting here and 
you've heard about the Bible. Maybe you've, you've come to church before and you've heard people talk about it, but you've never really spent time and said, you know what? I need to allow this to lead my life instead of me just chasing after it whenever I need it. Something Patrick's going to talk about in a minute. So maybe today you surrender to God's word for the very first time. Maybe for others in the room, you are just reminded of the fact that we need to spend time in this book each and every day of our lives. We need to make it priority. In a moment, we're going to pray. And by no means do you have to do this, but if you're comfortable and willing, I would love for us to open our hands. Because what happens when the police pull you over and you have to get out of your car? They say, put your hands up. This is a sign of surrender. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And what I want us to do is have a posture of surrender in our lives. As we pray and over the next just 30 minutes or so, as we surrender to God's word and we allow it to change our lives. So will you pray with me? God, we come before you now in a position and a posture of surrender. God, in hopes that your word would come alive and revive us. May the things in our life that we haven't let go of, God, maybe today we open our hands for the first time and we let go of them. We allow your word to bring life to those things. God, maybe today you impact us in a way that we've never been impacted before because we surrender to you. God, we surrender to your word and its life-changing power. So today, will you give us open ears to hear your word? Will you give us open hearts to receive your word? And it's your mighty and life-changing power in name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, can you guys give it up for Caleb? Man, he did a phenomenal job introducing this series. I'm so excited to be hanging out with y'all. I'm going to say hanging out because that's how middle school pastors talk. So are y'all okay with that? I'm going to say, hey, I'm so glad to be hanging out with y'all this morning, man. I'm Patrick. Um, I've been here now for seven years, man. And it's such a pleasure and opportunity that, I, that we get to do this together as a family, kind of dive into God's word. And we talk about this new series called Recalculate. And like Caleb said, this will be Pastor Bobby's new favorite series. I'm at the question now, how many favorites do you have to have? I mean, like, I mean, like my favorite meal is fried chicken. I mean, I ain't changing it every single week, you know. I mean, collard greens, some, you know, stay away from macaroni and cheese, put a little hot sauce on it. But, 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 but man, it's, it's his favorite. It's going to be his new favorite series. And today, man, we're going to talk about recalculating. Whenever we're driving somewhere, we have to recalculate. If you get off on the wrong exit, um, whether you're using your phone or your GPS, it says recalculating to kind of get you back on course. I can remember uh, my wife's not in the building today, so I'm going to tell the story the way I saw the story happen. Because you know how preachers do, we kind of kind of tell lies. <laughs> we make stuff feel bigger than what it is, you know. So, so I'm gonna tell you the story of how we got engaged and how I was recalculating that whole day. So Tamika um, uh, was living in D.C. at the time, and I had planned this whole weekend for her because at the end of the day, man, I wanted to make sure that she was absolutely happy. So I was surrendering my will to her will. I had planned a weekend of us going to have breakfast, going to get massages, and going to her favorite restaurant at the time, which was Maggiano's, an Italian restaurant, man. So um, uh, we go and we do all these things, man. And that morning we go and get we go and get breakfast at a very nice restaurant. You know, we I feed her. Then we go and get massages at a friend's um, spa, and then we're finally get to the point we're heading to the restaurant. Now I've been planning this whole day. For a while, I've asked her parents, hey, you know, I want to marry Tamika because I'm recalculating, knowing that my life is about to change forever. 
Anybody married knows, that know exactly what I'm talking about. If you marry, it's about to change forever. So I'm recalculating and we're driving to the restaurant. We get to the parking lot, man. The parking lot is full. And my wife kept asking me two questions. What are you doing? And when are we going to eat? Like she would give me that stank look. Like I get that look a lot, to be totally honest. But I'm used to it now. We're 15 years in. You can't go nowhere. So... She had to get used to it. But she keeps giving me, give, give, asking me these two questions. And so we get to the, um, the restaurant, man, and she tells me the valet part. But I'm on a, a youth pastor salary. So I can't afford it. I'm cheap. I, I'm, I'm frugal. I'm sorry. You know, that, that's what those men say. So, so, I mean, we finally part. And she's upset because she is very, very hungry. She's very, very hungry. So we're walking up to the restaurant, right? And then I tell her, because preachers don't lie, I say, hey, babe, I need to go back to the car because I left my wallet. Now, my wallet is in my back pocket. But what I left was the ring that was up under the seat. So I can't ask her to marry me without the ring. So I go back to the car, get in the car, get the ring, put it in my pocket. We, we walk into the restaurant because I've made reservations for her. And uh, we get there, we sit down and I have a friend of mine. He comes over to her and he's talking to her. Now, I know the guy, but she does not know him. And he's talking back and forth with her and he's asking her all these questions. And if you know my wife at all, she is looking at him like, why are you talking to me? And will you please leave me alone? But she's also looking at me because she wants me to say something. And I don't say a word. I don't say nothing, y'all. I don't say nothing because in my mind, I'm just recalculating. Man. Like this day is going to be absolutely amazing. I planned this whole day for. And then this guy begins to sing her favorite song to her at the time. It was called, the, the artist is Eric Benet. It's called Spend My Life With You. Now I would sing and have my audition for worship right now. But Caleb already told me, man, if I do that, I may lose my job, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, so, so the song goes something like this. I never knew a day such would come. And it says other thing. And it says, hey, can I just spend my life with you? And so the guy is singing this song to her. And she's all smiling right now. You know, she's all happy. My friend comes over. And then he mo removes the table. And then this happens. My friend puts the pillow down like this and then I get on one knee like this I look into her eyes she look into my eyes and I said Tamika I, I, I did like LL I licked my lips because I want to make sure my lips are chapped <laughs> I said um, I said hey sir, will you marry me and she said yes now, now, this is the thing. Now, I, I, now I'm glad I ain't got to do this again because as you get old and you got skinny jeans on, you, I mean, skinny pants on, like you can't be getting down like that all the time, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I struggle to put my pants on now. I mean, like, good Lord. But the whole thing is, man, I had to recalculate my whole day. And I said all that to say this. There are times in our lives, man, we have to recalculate and to surrender to God's will in order to please God. The same way I wanted to please Tamika that day and make sure that she said yes is the same way that we have to do in our relationship to God. So I'm going to run through this. I got about 20 minutes. If you're listening and you're talking back to me the way you've been talking back to me, I can do 20 minutes. Next service, I'll start at 1045. I can talk. But I got two questions I want to ask you today. I'm going to ask these questions. I'm going to answer both of these questions. First question is this. Why is it important to surrender to God's word? And how do I make his word a priority in my life? 
Caleb has already read the verses, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the first question I want to kind of ask and answer today is this. Why is it important to surrender to God's word? Let me tell you the first reason why it's important to surrender to God's word. If you only use the word in an emergency, you're in an emergency. If you only use the word in an emergency, you're in an emergency. You're already in ICU. And what ends up happening in our lives is this, because our lives are constantly in motion. We always make statements like we don't have time to read God's word. We always make statements that life is happening. I got way too much going on. But Jesus says this in Matthew chapter four and verse four, that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We cannot be living in emergency mode. We should always be progressing and diving into God's word. There are some of us in here and I get it, man. Life gets real busy. You got your kids going everywhere. They got games. They got school. They got life. All this stuff is going on, but we cannot live in emergency mode. We should always be growing in God's word. So that's why I surrender to God's word. And it should be the same reason why you surrender to God's word. The second reason why it's important to surrender to God's word is this. If we allow ourselves to bend to the culture, we cannot allow ourselves to bend to the Bible. You can't do both. You cannot do both. James chapter um, one, verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive ourselves, but do what it says. We live in a society right now where the society wants us to bend to their rules. But you've got to make a decision, man. It is either going to be God's way or your way. Now, you can do it your way. But I promise you, your way is always the hard way. We constantly are trying to bend to look like the world. God never designed for us to look like the world. Jesus never designed for the Christian to look like the world. He designed us to be different. We are always bending to the world. We're always compromising. If you read through God's word, there have been people in God's, in the word of God that compromise. And when you compromise, you're falling into sin. You're falling into sin. You cannot bend to the world and bend to the Bible. Caleb said this. You got to surrender to God's word. And sometimes we don't want to surrender to God's word because we feel intimidated by God's word. But I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't know how to do that. That's the reason why you have people here, man, that can help you and help you navigate through all of that. We surrender to God's word because we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. I tell students all the time, you cannot be who you want to be and be who God wants you to be. You cannot do both. You've got to bend to the Bible. And bending to the Bible means basically I'm going to do what it is that God is telling me to do. Because at the end of the day, man, we want to make sure we make God happy. Uh, the prophet Amos um, in his book talks about the plumb line and how the plumb line sets the standard. There is a standard for the Christian. There is a standard. There is a standard in my house. Nobody in my house goes around slamming doors. We don't do that. No, 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 no. I know my, my, my daughter, God knows she's the prettiest thing and I love her. But that was, I think my wife was out of town and she heard my son got into it. They're always fine. This gets on my nerves, man. Y'all, it gets on my nerves like no, like, like she goes with that. She slams the door. 
Man, I put down whatever I was doing, jumped up. Man, I was like 25 years old. I think I jumped from the bottom of the stair to the top of the stair. Went up there, opened the door. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't do that up in here. I know you may be bending to the world, but I need you to bend just a little more to Jesus right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? She looks up to me and she crying. I'm like, gosh, man, I can't even say nothing. I can't even yell at her. Why you got to be so pretty? Jesus. But you got to make a decision, man. If you allow ourselves to bend to the culture, we cannot allow ourselves to bend to the Bible. The third reason why we surrender to God's word is this. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you know the truth, the truth, the truth will set you free. John 8, 31 and 32 says this to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is the truth that sets us free, but you got to hold on to God's word. We don't have an issue at all holding on to stuff. We don't have an issue at all holding on to stuff. Imagine what your life would be like if you just hold on to God's word. Imagine how free you would be if you would hold on to his word. So if you're asking yourself today, why do I surrender to God's word? I surrender to God's word because I want to be free. I want to be free from addictions. I want to be free from my sin. I want to be free from living a life that pleased myself. And I want to be free so I can live a life that pleases him. Knowing the truth is the key to open the door. So I answered that question. But for the next 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes that I have, I want to answer the second question. And that second question is this. How do I make his word a priority in my life? How do I make his word a priority in my life? I'm going to make a statement real quick, and I hope nobody don't get offended. We don't have an issue making things a priority. We have an issue deciding what the priority is. I'm going to say that one more time for the people here that just went straight over. I'm going to say that one more time for you. We don't have an issue making things a priority. We have an issue deciding what the priority is. That is the truth. Because this is the thing. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And if you get mad, talk to Jesus about it. This is the thing, right? We will sit through a play, through a football game, through our kids doing their thing. And God knows, all our, you know, some of our kids, they, they're talented, I'll say that. But we'll sit there through all of that and we won't complain. But when it comes to you sitting down and studying God's word, you say, I don't have time. We'll go to football games and baseball games and cheer our team on. Go dogs! Yay! But when it comes to us actually diving into God's word, we say we don't have time. So you got to ask yourself, what is the priority? Because at the end of the day, all you're doing is yelling. If you're going to a football game, you're yelling for a bunch of guys that are in tights and a helmet and shoulder pads. Now, I'm not saying that you don't go to game. Don't come up. No, no. Do not say and tell email, email and pass Bobby. Patrick said, don't go to Georgia games. I did not say that. I like football, too. I love my dogs. But at the same time, I have to make put things in priority. I don't have an issue at all sitting down watching a whole series on Netflix. 
But I do have an issue sitting down reading 10 verses. Understanding that I got to make a decision like, what's the priority? We don't have an issue deciding what thing. We don't have an issue making things a priority. We have an issue deciding what the priority is. The scripture said all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for rebuking, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how do I do it? I'm about to run through this real quick. Everybody listening? Everybody here? I'm glad you're here. Let's run through this real quick. If we're going to make God's um, word a priority in our life, the first thing we got to do is this. We got to believe it. It's real simple. You just need to believe it. That is the starting point. That is the starting point. Can you just believe it? He says that all scripture, all, that's from the Old Testament to the every single word is inspired by God. Yes, God used humans to write it, but they were led by the Holy Spirit. And when Paul is writing this, Paul is letting Timothy know that evil times are coming. And he wants Timothy to be prepared for what is coming. Y'all, we are living in evil times right now and you've got to be prepared, but you cannot be prepared if you're not going to believe it. We treat Christianity like a, like, 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 like Shoney's. Y'all, is it Shoney's you do all the buffet? Uh, uh, is it, which one is it? You can go to the, the restaurant. It's all you can eat. Go to correct. That's how we treat Christianity. It's, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to like what I want to like. Like, Christianity is not a buffet. This thing right here, you don't get to pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. Now, now, if you're going to surrender to God's word, and I get that some of us don't understand every single thing. Man, I've been preaching now for almost almost 20 years. And I promise you, I don't understand every single thing in the word in, in this word. But but you know what I will do? I will believe what it is that God has said. Why? Because it's me putting my faith in Him. I've got to believe it. That is the starting point for all of us. And when Paul is writing this, Paul is saying this: God is the author. He's also telling us that God is the ultimate authority. He's also telling us that God is authentic, and He's also telling us that God is attractive. God is attractive. His word is attractive. Man, let me take something. Side note. This is when you start chasing rabbits as, as a student pastor. Man, my wife went to a wedding yesterday, right? And man, she put a picture on Facebook. Let me tell you something. I want to drive two and a half hours last night just to be with her. I'm like, man, good Lord, girl, you, I believe it. Girl, you, you, girl, you fine. <laughs> Isn't she? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I ain't going to do that. 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 But you got to believe it. All scripture is inspired by God. All of it. The, Bi- the Bible says this um, in Hebrews chapter 6, um, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without God is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seeks him. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. So when Tamika and I um, got, got married, man, we had been married maybe about two or three years, and um, she was pregnant. She goes and take a test, and I come home from work, right? And when I come home, she's sitting in the floor. She shows me the pregnancy test. She's pregnant. And I'm like, man, I'm about to have, I'm about to have me a baby. She's like, now, now, this is the thing. When we first got married, she was adamant, I don't want kids. You already got one. I don't want another one. Ain't no kids coming out this body here. I'm good. 
she was adamant about now. And I'm telling you the truth. Now, I ain't, I'm not I'm not I'm not making this story up. So just a little. But anyway, so anyway, so 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 she takes a test. She tells me she's pregnant. She says, Pat, I need you to go back to Kroger and get another test. So I go back to Kroger, get back home. And, and she takes another test. Test says she's pregnant. She said, Pat, I need you to go to Kroger again, take another, get another test. I'm saying, I'm like, woman, are you crazy? I'm spending money that we don't have. Well, I said it to myself. I didn't say that to her. So, 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 so I go back to the store, take, get another test, take another test. She said, pregnant. She asked me that last time. She said, it's four times. She said, Pat, can you go get another test? I said, look, you pregnant. <laughs> Believe it because you're pregnant. And I promise you, about nine months from now, you're going to really believe it. In 18 years from now, you really, really going to believe it. This ain't like a Mary thing. Like, like, you know, you know, you pregnant with a kid. Baby, get over it. You'll be okay. We've got to believe it first. The second way that we make the Bible, God's word of priority is that we study it. We study it because this is what it says. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Studying God's words requires you to read it. I'm going to say that again. Studying God's words requires you to read it. If you don't read it, you can listen to it. Man, you know version has an app that the, it'll read the Bible to you? That is the greatest invention ever. If you like me, I don't like, like we said we don't have time. Can you imagine what your day would just be like, man? You just turn your U version on when you ask you hey, the 20 minutes that you're going to work. Turn and let God just speak to you through his word versus you listening to the radio station and you listen to Bon Jovi or whatever it is that you listen to uh, uh, in the morning. Like, like for me, I like listening to New Edition, to be honest. Some of y'all have like, I, I don't know who that is, Patrick. Go and check my Facebook out. I've, I've sung a lot of songs to my wife, asking her, can she stand in the rain? I know you're like, man, why does he keep talking about his wife? Because I love her. But you know what? I also talk about her. I talk about Jesus more because I love him more. And in order for me to know more about Jesus, I got to study his word because his word describes who he is. His word not only describes who he is, his word describes who we are. Because let me tell you what happens when you study God's word. It's productive. It's enjoyable but it's also challenging. Why is that? Listen to what he says. It's useful for teaching, rebuking. Don't none of us want to be rebuked at all. Don't tell me what to do. I don't like that. You ain't going to tell me what to do. How many of y'all got teenagers in here? They don't want to listen at all. Has any of y'all, you can raise your hand right now when I ask them. Have any of y'all ever wanted to slap your teenager? Like, have, you, ha, have your parents ever told you, I'm going to slap you until the middle of next week? Like, how is that even possible? How are you going to slap me until the middle of next week? You just slap me until the other room. But not in the middle of next week. No, 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 no. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. It's a challenge. It's productive. You got to study it. And you study it because it trains you to be a better Christian. It trains you to be a, a better disciple. Joshua chapter one, verse eight says this, keep this, keep this book of law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
And then he says, let me tell you what you happen when you study it. He says, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. It's important for us to study God's word. Whenever Paul would preach, there was a group of noble men in the book of Acts, chapter 17, called the Bereans, that whenever Paul would preach, they would go back and study to make sure that what Paul was saying to them was correct. Let me say this, y'all. We have some phenomenal pastors here at Journey. I mean, guys that are just top-notch that can speak the, the lights on into a building. But at the same time, we're human. And it is good for you to go back and study what it is that we have taught. Why? Because we make mistakes. Now, let me go ahead and say this. You can correct us, but can you please not do it in between services? Can you just wait and send an email? I promise you, every single person on this staff would not have an issue sitting down talking to somebody. But we've got to study God's word. That's how we make God's word a priority in our life. Last thing we do is that we have to live it. We have to live it. He says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. The text calls us servants of God, which means we're submitting to God's will. Living it means that you have a life of fruit. There's something about you that is different. When you study God's word, there's something about you that is different. Every time I read God's word and I go and read this one passage, I go back and read it again, there's something different that God speaks to me. Like in a book, it's not like that. You can sit there and read a book over and over again, and it may speak to you um, not as much, but when you read God's word, there's always something different that God tells you about his word. There's always something different. Because you know what happens when you start living God's word, man? There is a glow about you. There is a glow about, there is something about you because you've been in the presence of the almighty. Not only that, you're growing. You, how are you going to grow if you don't study the word? How are you going to grow and live it if you don't dive into it? How do we make God's word a priority in our life? We got to believe it. We got to study it. And we've got to live it out in our lives. Because you know what happens, man, when we do that, when we begin to live it, we treat people differently. The people that make you mad and make you upset that you want to tell off and you want to turn the other cheek, you begin to treat people differently. You handle your finances differently. You handle your kids differently. You handle your spouse differently because I'm living out the word. Why? Because God has equipped me for every good work. When you read through the Bible, man, there are several guys in the Bible that was living it. David was a person that lived out the word of God. Whenever David was sin, when David sinned and he was confronted with the word, David went and confessed his sin to God because he was living God's word. When David was in there fighting Goliath, David was living in God's word. Why? Because he believed it. He knew that God had protected him from a bear and a lion. Why? Because he was living God's word. Daniel in the lion's den. He's in the lion's den with lions. Lions are hungry, y'all. They wanted to eat that brother. But you know what ends up happening? Because he believed God's word, he was able to live it out. That's something that we got to get to the point in our lives, man. We make the word of God a priority in our lives. Because this is the thing. Trouble is coming. 
Some of us are already in it. But in order to make God's word a priority, you've got to believe it. You've got to study it. You've got to live it. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 2 and 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I read, read this verse. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God or comes from the mouth of God. If you want to know how to live, you got to get in God's word. If you want to know how to surrender your will, you've got to get in God's word. It is the, it is the tool that we need in order to be the people that God has called us to be. It's the instruction manual. We need it. Some of us in here today, man, you may have heard the word for the first time and you've got to make a decision. This is my thing. This is my challenge to you. Um, Caleb's going to come up and he's going to close out today. But th- this, is, this, is, this is me challenging you to take your next step. If you've made a decision that through the message, through the worship, man, that you want to give your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. It is the most important decision that you will ever, ever make in your life. Why? Because it changes everything. And if you feel intimidated by studying God's word, man, pull some of us pastors to the side. I feel intimidated by it too. Like, like as much as I laugh and joke and kind of like make fun of myself, it is a challenge to get up here and do what we do. That the only way this happens is by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way that this happens. But you know what happened in my life, man? I had to believe it. I had to study it. And I had to live it. Surrendering to God's word has worked, will work, and will continue to work. Today is a great day for you to make a decision. Will you surrender to God's word? Or will you begin to continue to be the person that you want to be? Or will you be the person that God has wants you to be? God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you so much, God, that you have given us every single thing that we need in order to live a life that is prosperous. God, I ask God that you bless your people. God, I pray, God, there's something that was said today that challenges them to believe your word, to study your word, and begin to live out your word. God, you have given us every single thing that we need to live a life that pleases you. So God, we said we surrender everything to you. God, we open up our arms to you. And we start somewhere today, God. Even if it's a verse, even if it's just reading, reading a chapter a day. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we begin to do and be the people that you've called us to be. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.